I'm Nicole Davidson, and this is the Negotiation in Real Life podcast, the show where we take the lessons learned in real life negotiations to help you build your negotiation toolkit. We'll be hearing from lawyers, entrepreneurs, and senior business people about their best and worst negotiations. Negotiation is one of the most important skills for success in business and in life, but it's a skill we are rarely taught. For many of us, we develop our skills purely through trial and error. We see what works, discard what doesn't, and if we're lucky, we'll have a few good mentors along the way. In this podcast, we're going to give you access to an even greater range of negotiation mentors. Enjoy this episode and please reach out if you have any questions. In this episode of Negotiation in Real Life, we talk with Tanya Jolly, the co-founder and CEO of DNA Security Solutions and Lashes of Change. In this episode, we talk about negotiation as an entrepreneur, the challenge of building credibility in negotiations, the experience of the Negotiation and Influence Program at Stanford University, the importance of understanding various perspectives in a negotiation and listening as a critical skill, and much, much more. I hope you enjoy listening to this episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. Tanya, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Nicole. It's lovely to be here. Uh, It's a a real pleasure and I'm looking forward to our conversation because I think there's going to be some really interesting things coming. Before we get into that, though, I wonder if you could just give our listeners a brief introduction to who you are and what you do. Yeah, certainly. I, I, I often refer to myself as the accidental entrepreneur. So I guess I sort of really fell into entrepreneurship. I have for the last 20 years I guess being self-employed so the entrepreneurial bit sort of started for us back in about 2004 when the South Australian police asked us to sort of solve a problem for them which was could we create some forensic evidence in a security technology that it would allow them to catch up with criminals weeks or months after an event and still have the evidence that they need to be able to connect the this said criminal back to the crime scene. So we were in a different security company at that time. We, we had a very different focus, um, but we had been working with SAPOL or South Australian Police and this sort of conversation came up and, and when they asked us, you know, could we solve this problem for them, we were we sort of thought, yeah, we probably, we probably can. And, and it was an interesting problem to, you know, look at and to solve. And, and we really got very deep into solving this problem. And, and that's in the end how DNA Security Solutions was born because we then developed this technology uh, that we could offer to retail businesses that would integrate um, just so easily into their existing security. And it was just laser focused on solving that one piece of the puzzle so that's that was sort of um that was my first entree I guess into entrepreneurship as I've worked in it over the last 15 to 18 years I've come to understand that it's really about solving a problem and so that's the consistency that I take across my new business, Lashes of Change, which is my mascara offering. So very different to the security company that I have. That's about being able to customise mascara. So I, I am solving my own pain point there, but 
further research has told me that it's not just my pain point. Um, that's great. And I'm sure we'll, we'll hear a bit more. So obviously, you know, being an entrepreneur for the last 20 odd years, you've had a whole range of different negotiations. What types of difficult negotiations come up for you in, in that role as an entrepreneur? Look, I think, you know, if I think across the last 20 years, the most difficult have definitely been with men, which is unfortunate, but it is a consistency. I think women and men do negotiate very, very differently. And that, that is something that I have learnt over the years. But more specifically, it's when people don't take you credibly, I guess, is probably the most difficult of the negotiations. So whether you're talking to a potential customer who doesn't give you the credibility that you believe that, you know, you should have, or if it's, you know, for me, I've had some really difficult conversations and very confronting conversations with potential investors. Um, and again, it, the theme was credibility. And that's really interesting that you talk about that because the security industry that you're in is a particularly male-dominated industry. Very. What strategies have you developed over the years to try and manage this challenge of credibility and, and dealing with men who might yeah. not be as responsive <laughs> it's um in the end it, you know it, it probably is no it's no different to what other people do you know uh, it, it it ends up being an avoidance you know an avoidance issue what we have learned to do is really focus on the benefit that our technology offers to our customers and and just expanding upon what loss actually looks like you know in a business it's not just simply cash and products stolen mm. or damage done to your windows or your doors or or whatever it is that they've they've you know smashed to get in if it if it's a um an after hours robbery but we educate people that loss and the most significant losses of, a, you know, in a business for an armed robbery or um, is actually the damage that's done to their human capital. So the damage done to the victims, people that are behind the cash register that has the gun in their face. Um, it's the loss of trade because people fear coming into that business after the event. It's the fact that they lose staff you know three to six months after the event because there's post-traumatic stress that they're dealing with and recruitment costs are enormous you know but most businesses don't stop to appreciate and and put that all into cost of armed robbery it sounds like a fairly common thing that I see where part of the negotiation process and I guess here we're talking about sales negotiations getting your product into the the stores Yes. Part of that negotiation process is helping the other party identify what their interests are that they might not have looked at as deeply as they need to. But then Absolutely. I guess it's about backing it up with some evidence or some standards to, to show that now you've identified the interests, you're going to give them some certainty or some clarity that you're actually going to meet those interests through the solution that you're providing. Yeah, absolutely. That's right. And that's the confidence piece. <laughs> confidence is a huge piece of negotiation, yeah. isn't it? It is. And that brings me on to talking about, I know when we talked before the show, you mentioned that you'd actually gone to Stanford and had done some training in influence negotiation. 
what was it firstly that led you to actually make that investment in your development? Well, I was actually, I was, we have um, a, a fabulous uh, organisation here um, in South Australia. So I am very privileged. I, I spoke to a number of people that had been through the course and um, talked to them about the different things that they had done. But I did desperately want it to be really worthwhile because as you say it's a significant investment so when I came across the influence and negotiation course at Stanford I just thought how appropriate it was for basically everyday life I mean who hasn't needed to negotiate with their three-year-old at home during a tantrum right absolutely (laughs) so you know I think you know we we actually when you stop and think about it we actually negotiate on a daily basis with so many things. Sometimes we even negotiate with ourselves, right? Frequently, my, my most common negotiations, and I think for many people. Yeah, yeah. So it's not just, I loved it and I gravitated to it because I just thought that it was something that was going to benefit me, not only in my professional life, but also in my personal life. Yeah. So, yeah, and, and it was a, it was just brilliant. It was yeah. a brilliant experience. I loved it. So for our listeners who haven't got the benefit or the ability to go and do the course itself, tell me about some of the the key things that you took away from doing that course and how did it help you? Look, I think it was a fabulous course because it was hands-on. So that was the other thing that I really liked about it. Um, You know, whilst I've done two university degrees, I I didn't really want to go back to university and and simply be shoved a whole lot of textbooks where I would need to spend hours and hours and hours poring over stuff. So what was fabulous about this was that there was no pre-reading, virtually none. We had a little bit, but it was interesting and, and easily achievable. And, you know, we rocked up on campus, you know, in California for a live-in week and what was lovely about it it was such a multicultural experience so we we actually only had about 10 Americans I think turn up for the course and the rest came from all over the world which was just amazing and it was hands-on and that's what I loved about it so you know we turned up every morning and we would have a briefing over which negotiation was for that particular day and what we were supposed to be achieving and we sort of had the theory of it and we had two uh, really fantastic lecturers one one female one male and they took very different approaches so the, our, our male um, professor he was very uh, theoretically based and took I guess what what is typically a, a male approach to to negotiation, and it was very financially focused, if you like. Whereas our female professor, she bought the emotional intelligence, the psychology, the what to me seemed a natural part of negotiation, but she brought that into it. And for most of the men in the room, that was a really significant sort of light bulb moment for them. Yeah, so I, I find that kind of kind of interesting. But every day that, you know, we got to do at least two uh, hands-on negotiations with the peers, with the other students that we got paired with. Um, and every day they just got progressively more difficult. So first day, you know, you started on a one-on-one and then the next day it was one-on-two. 
Um, and then the following day, you know, we progressed even further. And they also progressed in their difficulty from the amount of knowledge that we were given. So, you know, first day we got given all of the facts so that we could go to the table and we felt we knew it. And sort of by the, by the seventh day, you know, we were negotiating in teams and on issues that we all had different uh, bits of knowledge. So one team was given one sheet of knowledge, we were given another sheet of knowledge, and then there was a third team given another set of facts. So that, that made things really interesting because we had to try and work out, you know, your position and, um, and that really yeah, so replicates I, real life, isn't it? I mean, that's the business negotiations that we go into where no one's got the same story. That's right. That's right. And I think, you know, the, the real learning from that was all about perspective, right? And mm. that everybody comes from a slightly different perspective. And when you go into negotiation, you know, you really have to not just acknowledge it, but you have to respect it um, and understand it and uh and and work with it and negotiation is not a zero-sum game it's not a win or lose you can actually have a win-win outcome yeah absolutely so tanya based on all of your experiences of negotiation in business what is the biggest learning that you've had from it from a negotiation that you've been part of can you tell us a little bit about that negotiation and why it was such a learning experience yeah look I, I think you know every every negotiation that you you have in business is um is slightly different and and it's and it's a learning experience but I think the most significant one that really resonates with me is probably the one that we that we had recently earlier uh this year um with a significant enterprise client of ours and what was the most enlightening aspect of the negotiation was that he actually told us in the conversation what his key benefit was, what, what he was looking for when negotiating with us. So uh, the key learning out of that is actually listening. When you're negotiating, yeah. you need to listen more than you talk. So a lot of people turn up to a negotiating table and they've got their position and they're like, right, this is what I want. You know, this is what I want to walk away with this. You know, a lot of people are like, you're not listening to me. This is what I want. Whereas the best negotiation is when you listen to what the other person wants. I could and not you, agree more, Tanya. Yeah. So that that's my key learning, right, is is listen more than you talk absolutely um, and, and when you do that you hear from your you know the, a person sitting on the other side of the table what it is that they're looking for and then you can position your proposal to meet their needs absolutely there's a phrase I use in all of my training programs Tanya and it says we were given two ears and one mouth and we should use <laughs> them in that proportion I think Quite that's right. a really, really um, good tip for people to take away. So thank you for sharing that. Oh, Is there anything pleasure. else that you think people need to know about negotiation before we wrap up? Well, I, I, just to reiterate that negotiations is is not a zero-sum game, right? So, it, you know, it, if you win, it doesn't mean that the other person loses. So the best negotiations are, again, you know, about listening to what the other party is looking for 
knowing what it is that you want and actually trying to get the best of both worlds, there's always going to need to be, be a need for compromise, mm. right? So, you know, in every negotiation, you have to be prepared for that compromise. But sometimes compromise actually turns out to be the best way. Well, I think so there's, I, I, there's compromise and there's creative compromise as well, I think. And that's the difference to me, yeah, at least. Just being, yeah, and just being open, you know, just being mindfully open when you're walking into that negotiation, you know, to to recognise and respect that the other person, um, you know, it, it feels very deeply, you know, as deeply as what you do about your end result, that they do as well. Mm. And how can you come together on that to actually, you know, create a, a, a win-win outcome? And I guess, you know, the the key learning for me over the years has been that if you can't get to that you know if you can't get to that point if you can't if I can't get to a point in a negotiation where I feel that we have have won as much as the other person and that we're in a good situation that sometimes you just need to walk away and there's nothing wrong with walking away either Absolutely. And I think what's really interesting from what you said, I mean, going back to your example, you said it was the fact that you were able to learn the other party's interests by listening to them also means we need to think about how are we going to share our interests rather than keeping them to ourselves? Because if we keep our interests to ourselves, how can the other person possibly come up with some solutions that will meet what we need? Absolutely. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, but you know, it was, uh, it, it's an interest, it's an, it's such an interesting topic. And, you know, same rules apply for your three-year-old having a tantrum, right? Well, <laughs> you want them to stop having a tantrum. I, I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know about that, Tanya. Even at Harvard, they say don't negotiate with children and terrorists. Um, <laughs> and unfortunately, the, the challenge behind that is really about the neurology of a child compared to an adult. So sometimes you just have to walk away from those three-year-old negotiations. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Tanya, it's been an absolute delight speaking with you. So thank you very much for taking the time. If people wanted to connect with you or learn more about your businesses, um, how can they reach you? Certainly. Um, thanks, Nicole. Yep, I'm um, quite active on LinkedIn. Uh, so Tanya Jolly um, on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook with both of my businesses, DNA Security Solutions and Lashes of Change and on Instagram with Lashes of Change as well. Fantastic. So, and we'll um, put all of those yeah. links on the podcast notes so that people can reach out. Fantastic. Thank you. Yes, I'd love to hear from anybody. And if they've got any questions or, yeah, love connecting with, uh, with people. So that'd be great. Great. Well, thanks very much for your time, Tanya. No worries. Thanks so much, Nicole. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Negotiation in Real Life podcast. If you've taken away some great tips from this episode, I'd love to hear about it. So please connect with me via my website or LinkedIn. If you're enjoying the podcast and would like to learn more tips to improve your negotiations, head to our website, nicoledavidsonnegotiation.com.au, where you can follow my blog, watch presentations and download resource sheets. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you get every episode as it comes out. If you have an interesting negotiation story that you'd like to share with my audience, head to the website and complete a guest application. Until the next episode, happy negotiating.